0: Listening to the Ed Reach Network.
1: Ed Gamer episode ninety-eight on Ed Reach, John Hunter and his book on world peace. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, May fourth, twenty thirteen. Did I did I say that right, Jerry? Uh,
0: May the fourth be with you.
1: Oh, you added that in there. That was good. Uh-huh. May the fourth be with you. Ed is part of the EdReach network. EdReach.us giving education a voice.
2: A big voice. Very
1: nice. Okay. This show is dedicated. To,
0: what Jerry? We're doing a compilation. We're going to put together all the big voices. All
1: oh, the big voices. That's a great idea, actually. That is good. That that means that I'd have to go through and edit all of that. Oh, Jerry. yeah. We'll we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. No no <laughs> Sixth graders will do it free. Yeah. I bet they would. They love it. They love that stuff. They do. Yeah, they, I'm afraid they'd start taking some of those clips and editing them in their own
2: little way. Oh, yeah, they'd do that too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, i got to watch that.
1: Okay, <laughs> this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle in any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. I'm Jerry. And I'm John. And John, tell us about yourself.
2: Well, I'm an elementary school teacher in a small town in Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia. And I'm the inventor of the World Peace Game, a geopolitical simulation that I've been playing for about 35 years. And now I'm playing around the world.
1: That is so cool. That is awesome. <laughs> that is so, cool. <laughs> Jerry?
0: My name is Jerry James, and I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois.
1: And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois.
0: Uh-huh. I can't believe you took out Hostess with the Mostest. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> aren't
1: they Aren't they bringing Hostess back?
0: Yeah, I think somebody's got the Twinkies. Now, Twinkies right? are coming back. That's all that matters.
1: You can't it kill matter. it. Yeah. Are back. Now, did you buy Didn't you buy a ton of those, Jerry? Um,
0: yeah, Keith Richards is going to have to have something to eat.
1: This is the last <laughs> human being on That's earth. So. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So hey, little uh, little plug there. The uh, May the Fourth be with you. Star Wars Day mm-hmm. is uh, we're actually recording in the middle of the week, but uh, you know this is coming out Saturday, and we have my big. Uh, well, I think it's becoming bigger than what I was anticipating. So hopefully it's not too big. But I have my family tabletop game day at school. And it's I'm I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about it next week. And and you know Jerry, I probably should uh, maybe take my iPad and do some recording from maybe some of the parents and the and the kids and add that audio into the podcast next week. Mm-hmm. That might be good. That might be good. It's it's just I'm excited. The kids are excited. Um, it's a, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. So think about that, uh, listeners out there. You know, get together with. I am just impressed with all the parents that are excited about coming I don't know if their kids are as excited <laughs> bringing their parents to school but uh, it's yeah I think I think most of them are very excited about about coming and, and having a, a game day it's nine to two so I mean we got a we got a good long time there and it's it's kind of nice because I find it tough to sit down and play games finding time to do that now I have to schedule it <laughs> I think that'll work out just fine, Jerry. How's your week been going?
0: Holy moly! When it slows down, I will let you know. I've been yeah, in grad classes galore, and then I mean, getting those wrapped up. Trying to get keeps kids on a course. Tonight was our top twenty-five dinner. Well, it used to be top twenty-five. Now they're just the academic scholars. So,
1: is there more than twenty-five? Uh,
0: yeah, actually, there were twenty-seven this year. I think <laughs> oh, <laughs> they changed okay. the the way that um that they just I you know how they decide who it is. It was impressive. We did have a set of triplets in the top 27 of our class.
1: So all three of them? All three. And they were all, uh, they fit the requirements. Yep. They are definitely there. Yeah, it's, it's there. not a
0: nomination. You have to earn it in through um, Through academic success. So pretty impressive. To-
1: wow. I mean, do you think about the competition between triplets?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh,
1: yeah. My- are they all boys, all girls, or no,
0: one boy, boys and girls? one boy, two girls, one musician, a dancer, a state wrestler? Um,
1: you know, <laughs> wow. just all
0: over the place. It was really neat. That... You know, is the sadly in my eight years, it's the first time I've been there, and the kids get to pick um, who gets to go with them. You know, they they ask an adult to chaperone them, and yeah. then the adult writes a nice thing. It's it's the first time I've been there. It's kind of <laughs> kind of sad because. Um, You know, it kind of speaks to how many, how few of those kids come through our art classes just Um, because they don't have the time. You know, the kid that I went with was in my class three years ago, and then wasn't allowed, couldn't take art again because of his, you know, so many of his other academic
1: classes. So it's tough. That's a, it's a shame. Yeah, it's tough. That's a shame. Now, now, am I guessing that those kids are? are they taking a foreign language or are they taking a, a, um, a mu- other, are they taking like a music class?
0: Um, you know, they have electives scattered, you know, it- just bits and pieces that's it's really the big thing is they usually only get to choose one there there was a lot of uh, core teachers that were there say a lot of science a lot of math a lot of yeah a lot of uh a lot of English uh, there were there actually there were I think four or five of our history teachers as well so there you go I know, well, you, guys, we're rock, I know so. you guys would like that but uh yeah, yeah just two two lonely tr- art teachers no applied tech no uh you know no music so
1: it's tough it's tough yeah I, I that's you know it's got to change. Part of
0: the game. Part of the game, I guess.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 not the right game. Yeah. It's, you know, that's – art is such an important – especially, and you see it too, as much as the visual arts are involved in the technologies that we use today, mm-hmm. you pick up an iPad, you pick up – you know, you're on your computer, you're on the Xbox, you're on the TV. Visual arts are everywhere, and finding good artists to create uh, for whatever product or whatever you're using – is such an important skill.
0: Yeah, and um, you know what? You, you would be amazed. I think six of the kids I counted, six out of the, like the twenty-seven, all mentioned in their their portion of what they've enjoyed the most or what they're most proud of um, some some relation to the
1: arts. Yeah. So you know, it's it's you need it.
0: It is what it is,
1: but yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, can the world peace game be done without art? Oh no. Is is there there's art involved, right?
2: Yeah, there is art. As a matter of fact, some of the teams even come up with their own dances and national anthems and that kind of thing sometimes.
1: That's awesome. Their flags, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean that's that plays an important just think if you had a horrible looking flag. Oh. How oh, the downturn of your civilization could just, can and, just uh, be true?
2: you know some of the kids have a little sense of humor and you have to sort of encourage it a Now pick a name for your country that you're going to be proud of 20 years from now, you know, not something silly today. <laughs> so they,
1: Bieber Fever. We incur-
2: yeah, they have to be encouraged to be a little bit more restrained sometimes.
1: Yeah, 20 years from now we're going to go, who's
2: what Justin Bieber? Yeah, what were we thinking?
1: <laughs> yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay, so. Of course, we have John Hunter, who's been. This is the second time on our show. We brought him on uh, before to talk about his game, and he was like, "Hey, <laughs> we got to get together again because yeah. my book's coming out." Absolutely. <laughs> and you're the publicist, the the person that you work with. Mm-hmm. I have to say, we I've I've worked with several now <laughs> since I've been on the show. Oh yeah. And she is top notch. She is top notch,
2: Taryn Roder. <laughs> what a woman. Uh,
1: yeah, she is. Uh, so thank you, Taryn, because. Um, we've had a couple of fall-throughs. I'm <clears throat> kind of disappointed in some of the uh, publicists for certain people oh. uh, who <laughs> shall not be named. Sorry, yeah. uh, Jerry knows where I'm going with this. Oh, don't, <clears throat> don't go. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going there. But it's. Uh, but yours, Taryn, is just. Yeah. Is has been wonderful, oh. and she sent me a copy. Oh, wonderful. Of the book, and so I was very pleased about that. But I, as I told you before the show, um, I felt that I needed to. And this is coming out Saturday. Okay, so because my student teacher, uh, we always give gifts to uh, our student teachers that are on our team, and one of them is usually a book. Mm. And of course, after reading Uh-oh. this book, I said, oh. you know, I need to give her Zach. a copy of this.
2: Oh, Zach, that's so nice. Thank
1: you. Yeah, man. yeah, oh, thanks. So it's, um, I've taken a lot from this, oh. and in fact, I've even talked to my principal about because we've been talking about doing a book study. Oh, uh, wow. you know, and I said. Take a look at this, uh, Dan, and and that's my principal, and because uh, I call him Dan all the time, he's he's the man, Dan the man, uh, Dan the man. So I want him to take a look at this book and then uh, see if it would be a good way for a, a study, you know, for discussion. Oh. So. I was very pleased with it and um but, but let's back up a little bit. Sure. Let's let's talk do a quick synopsis of what World Peace Game is and then we can get into the kind of a review of the book. Okay, yeah, I'll talk about the book and the publisher and so forth.
2: Uh the World Peace Game basically was something I invented 35 years ago when I didn't know what else to do. My supervisor when I got my very first job wouldn't tell me what to do. She asked me what I wanted to do, which really upset me because I was hoping for direction and guidance and I didn't get any. <laughs> So out of that emptiness of not knowing what to do and also uh, remembering what my uh, undergraduate mentors had told me back in college to teach to the line of least resistance, find out what the children love, what their passion is, and build towards it, build curriculum around it. And so I found out the kids love board games. So I took that not knowing empty space Uh, mashed it up with board games i think we just discovered critical thinking around that time 1978 mixed that in too that was the first world peace game i had to teach africa and we put a big four by five plywood board on the floor i went to toy stores hobby shops got little uh, trucks and soldiers and villages and so forth set them up uh taped out a map of africa on the board and said okay kids we're going to solve all the problems on this continent that was the first World Peace game, and it's evolved into a four-foot-by-four-foot-by-four-foot four four plexiglass tower. It towers over my nine-year-old fourth graders right now in my classes. And it's essentially 50 global problems, interlocking global problems I give them. They're divided into four country teams with a U.N., arms dealers, a World Bank, and a weather goddess who handles a random stock market in random weather, and a saboteur who secretly is trying to destroy the entire game. And they've got to solve all 50 of these World Crises and also raise the asset value of every country involved in the game in order to win and they've been winning for 35 years without a break It's amazing.
1: Yeah, that that is it is awesome and from the beginning and I, I have to throw a shout out there Jim broach is the teacher that mm. uh, sent me uh, this you know your TED talk oh. and said Zach have you have you seen this uh. and um, So I have to thank him for <laughs> getting me to see you and then <laughs> contacting you um, but it's, you, you have this game mm. and you have a, um, you, you, took the board games, which is kind of interesting. 35 years ago. Yeah. So we had <laughs> no face. So no yeah, you didn't have video games. No, nothing
2: at all. We had uh, maybe an arcade once in a while came in later. I don't know,
1: but no, nothing. So, board and games. yeah. And so you, you have all these pieces, I guess a, a question, the pieces of the game, mm-hmm. um, you could take Monopoly and create a bad game. You could take the pieces, you know, the money and all this, you could create your own rule set and create a bad game. Right. You could take the World Peace game, you could take all the the, the different levels and you could have a bad game. Mm. I think the basis of the game is the the simulations, the problems, the 50 different scenarios that you run into. Mm-hmm. And I'm get, that has evolved, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it really has. It's sort of ripped from the headlines, kind of. We, we take the world problems and sort of modify them appropriately for kids and try to interconnect their crises vectors so that they're all interdependent,
1: really. And and that's the, that's the... I guess the core. Well, there's a deeper core, I think, but that's the core. You, if you don't have those interdependencies, that's right. Um, the game really doesn't work.
2: That's exactly right. It really mirror, mirrors life, and that, that's what's not yes. uh, coming across in, in each individual separate uh, discipline sometimes. But I'm trying to interconnect all the disciplines and really mirror life itself, which is so right. diverse and
1: vast. And you've, and I think you've done this before. I think the world actually realized. It's closeness to each other. Because as we get older, as the kids get older, mm. there is such a connection. Uh, decisions that we make here mm. have an impact on the rest of the world. That's right. That's But right. 35 years ago, I don't think a lot of people would say that.
2: Well, you know, yeah, know. the world has grown smaller and, and become more intimate in the way over time. And I guess I don't know if we were ahead of the curve, but we, there was just a sensibility coming out of the 60s into the 70s, going into the 80s. That you know we had a lot of potential, and we should look at the potential of working together and I guess our technology today is simply an extension of our our impulse then our intention to foster this collectivity, this collaboration that we see happening at such a pace now
1: it's hmm. it's amazing um, that you know kind of your story and how how your education, how you've learned how you came, you know, your experiences, your world experiences, hmm. have really made who you are. Yes. Uh, and 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 that kind of sets up the, you know, your seven stages of learning, which I think is from your world experiences, but also from from home. That's right. Yeah. My, right. Yeah,
2: exactly. You know, my mother was my fourth grade teacher, uh, in segregated schools in Virginia in the '60s. And I remember, you know, everything had to be done in a very small area, very small space, conceptually and socially. So, you know, you had to really work through a lot of uh, uncertainties all around you outside. So the first stage in the World Peace Game is, we call it, overload and confusion. And, you know, the game is designed, and Zach, I'm sure you know as a teacher, too, you design curriculum to stretch your students. And Mm -hmm. so we're just loading in and loading on everything we can possibly put on. The idea is that the students can actually rise to the challenge and we give them so much that they realize we respect them for giving them so much. And that's why we're giving it because we believe yeah. that they actually can do it. So that's the yeah. first stage in it. Yeah. Yeah. The,
1: the, and we mentioned, I mentioned this also before the show that, um, you know, Tolkien, who's my, oh, yeah. my favorite writer, uh-huh. uh, who's just amazing. Mm. He, he basically, it, the Lord of the Rings, the, the mm. The story is an outlet for his usage of language. How, it was like a toy. How
2: about that?
1: You know he wanted he had all this knowledge of ancient languages. He created his own languages and he created a, he made a story so he could play with the language. In this I, I, I think you've created the seven stages of learning. I think you've always had it huh. and you fleshed it out over the years. and the game is just an outlet to use the, those stages of learning.
2: That's, that's quite a compliment, Zach. I, I hope I did that. I, I like to think that I did.
1: That's wonderful. Well, you definitely have set up the book that way because it's, you know, you have, you have, you set it up at the beginning. Okay, this is how I came to, you know, being, you know, as as an educator. Right. Um, and you you have this style of learning, mm. and it's it's kind of you know it's it's evolved, but mm-hmm. the game actually came out of that and so how I mean how mm. you kind of go through the seven stages here because the book really is you kind of give examples for each part of those stages
2: sure yeah uh, let me I'll go through them briefly and, and so we can elaborate on them too yeah uh, the first stage we, we talk about bringing the children in to see the game is is sort of a mirror of life too when we get to a situation in life that's overwhelming and, and overloads our, our understanding and our conventional approaches, we feel bewildered and lost. And we're just sort of stuck in, in a kind of a, a, the appearance of chaos. And the game mirrors that aspect of life. And then, of course, we try to do something, we try to make an effort to get out, and there's failure. And in our culture, of course, we we don't really value failure. We try to hide it, get away from it, <laughs> do whatever we can to get get it out of here. But I I looked at it as a valuable tool that actually spurs learning, that every failure is kind of an opportunity in disguise if you can turn it a different way and look at it and use it. So the game is designed to fail massively at first. The students are overwhelmed, confused, and emotionally they're going through quite a bit, and our relationship together is what really holds that holds them together to get through that dark period of uncertainty. And uncertainty, you know, is a cornerstone of learning anything, I think. You've got to be in the dark before you can be in the light, so to speak. And then there's a personal understanding that evolves out of that. You can jump in here anytime.
1: Yeah. Hey, just to get back on the failure. (laughs) (laughs) um, To get on on the failure uh, bandwagon here. Do you – sometimes I see it with the students where they see a clear path to the answer and – that path is not the right one. It, it, it's a it's a wall. It's it's a brick wall. Yeah. They run into it and they're like, I can't do this, right. and they don't. Sometimes they have a difficult time of trying to think outside the box, or they have trouble coming to me and saying, Mr. Gilbert, we can't. This doesn't work.
2: Right.
1: And I'll I'll go. I know. They're like, well, why did you give it to us? Yeah. And I'm like, I wanted to see if you could actually speak up and and, and say, hey, this doesn't work. We need to do something different. Right. And you know, I think after reading your book, after you know, I would do this every once in a while. But I think I have a clearer picture of, of understanding that, and especially now because we're doing an assignment with the Middle Ages and and they're working within manners. You know, small groups, and each one has a role. Uh, You know, you have the lords, the ladies, you know, monks and nuns and peasants and serfs and such uh, knights and and, and, but they all have different roles and they're trying to figure out how do they play that role and how do we solve these problems? And and, I kind of give these problems where it seems very clear cut Mm. these challenges to solve and they're not Ah. and it just takes them a while after the first time they're like, oh, well, we could do it this way like. It's open. It, you just you need to figure out the ways to solve it.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: Huh. And and that's especially with your game mm-hmm. because you definitely they're, they've failed many times. Right. <laughs> they have, right. They've definitely failed many times, but you make them feel comfortable about it.
2: Yeah, we're on the same page. I mean, you have a relationship with them. That's why it works. I think. Yeah, Somebody they felt didn't care about them, they'd just get frustrated and and probably be angry with you for even putting something like that to them. But because they believe in you, they trust you, they know you, they know you've got something up your sleeve and there's a secret smile in it. Well,
1: and that's where Pablo comes in.
2: Oh, Pablo, what a
1: guy. It it just gave me chills. Just saying his name. Gave me chills. Um, (laughs) Great story. story. Go ahead and kind of explain a little bit of of Pablo, what he... Because I've had students like this, and it, it, it gives me chills, but it almost gives me tears because there's there's so many kids out there like this, yeah. and for you to give them an opportunity it was just amazing.
2: Yeah, you know, it taught me too, and Pablo's in chapter two of the book, and he's a little guy comes in, and he's a, I say he's as wide as he is tall. He's a little short, <laughs> white guy. His hair sticks up, he's got thick glasses, and he talks and moves really slowly, incredibly slowly, and it's just... It's tough on all of us in school. You know, he's gone through school for several years, and I think he's in the fourth or fifth grade then. He's in the fourth grade. And Pablo's coming in my class, and I usually pick the leadership in the World Peace Game. There are four prime ministers uh, around the board, and they pick their own cabinets, you know, Secretary of State, Ministers of Defense, and the CFO, and we have the U.N., the World Bank, and the arms dealers. But I, I pick the leadership, and they pick their own teams. And some something, you know, in me as a teacher, and you as a teacher, you guys understand what I'm talking about. You just feel there's something in this kid, and it needs a chance mm-hmm. to come out, and it's going to cost you. It's going <laughs> to cost you, but <laughs> you got to do it because it's, it's about them. It's for them. So I offered Pablo the role of uh, leadership, I offered him the prime minister's job. And everybody in the class, all the other oh. kids just put their heads down and grimaced and went, Oh, Mr. Hunter, what are you doing? This is going to take <laughs> forever, you know. <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, they were a little too polite, but we knew what the feeling was. And Pablo himself was stunned. And he finally came <laughs> to say, Oh, okay, okay, I'll I'll do it. Took a long time to answer. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, as a teacher, you hope things are gonna work out. And of course, Pablo, my heart was broken the very first day. <laughs> I hoped he would become something special and wonderful and just step up to the challenge, but he continued to be Pablo. He was very slow, and he did hardly anything. You know, usually the leaders will do a few moves the first time. They're clumsy. they don't know what they're doing. It's it's overwhelming, and they're confused, and they're failing. But they'll make a few attempts. Pablo made one move his first time at bat. One move. And all the other kids on his team just sort of put their heads down and shook them slowly. And we went on. But six weeks went by, and Pablo's at that same speed, and kids are working around him, they're working through him, they're not working with him, and (laughs) getting frustrated with Pablo. And I'm even frustrated as a teacher. I thought my intuition was completely wrong. And then one day, Pablo stood up on his turn, and I could see it coming. I saw his (laughs) hands trembling. I saw his eyes a little wider than usual. And his voice seemed to be a little quicker than usual, which was a really uh, astounding. And he moved to the board with seemed like a, a quicker gait. I mean, it's impossible. It's like seeing a snail move fast. But there he goes. He moves up to the board, and he says, "I'm Pablo." He's talking a little faster, Rodriguez. And this is my country, and these are my declarations. And he makes twenty-two moves or something like that in a couple of minutes. It's like watching a Jedi master move through space. It's like a did, martial arts demonstration. It's amazing.
1: He, <laughs> did he have paper, or did he do it just by memory? No,
2: what, no. he had, did it all from memory. He was just on his Wow. Feet. He reached up to the aircraft level. He directed his minister of defense to go to the, uh, the outer space level. He had the CFO on the undersea level. He had somebody write a check to the World Bank. He, had, he was just moving, everybody moving his people here and there. He stepped back kind of stunned. And I looked at him, I was in awe, and I said, Pablo, I just couldn't help myself. You see, don't you? He turned to me really slowly and he said, Mr. Hunter, I see everything. Uh-huh. I said, Pablo, you understand. Mr. Hunter, I understand everything. And yeah. he had really, truly gotten the entire equation of the game in an instant, it seemed like. After weeks of, you know, that silent, empty period of weeks that I thought nothing was going on, there was something incrementally going on until it just burst forth and gave bloom, you know. <laughs> Teachers know that. So that's Palbo's that story.
1: Yeah, no, that, was, that is awesome. Mm. And I'm trying to find it here. Who is the, the young kid that was kind of the uh, – he was a squirrely one that not a lot of kids wanted to be around?
2: Uh, that's Rodney, I believe.
1: That, that, yeah.
2: yeah, Rodney was the wheeler-dealer who sort of over-dealt over and over-wheeled and got put out, of, <laughs> yes. put out of the action by that. Yes, and There was no real magical solution for Rodney. He uh, was a, a sneaky little guy, basically, and that's what, what everybody would say about Rodney, <clears throat> and he was. <coughs> and so Rodney would uh, just wheel and deal and make all kinds of arrangements and finally just – wheel and deal and broke so many promises that he got himself sort of ostracized by everybody. Nobody trusted him. He lost all of his power. And he was really disheartened because he wanted to play in the game. He just couldn't figure out a way to get involved because nobody would trust him any longer. And so finally, it wasn't magical, but he and I would talk and I, I didn't have any solutions for him. I didn't know what to tell him to do. But we just sat together quietly watching everybody else carry on for a while. And he finally got an idea, he said, Well, I'm gonna ask somebody for help, which was an astounding thing to hear this this master of the universe say to mm-hmm. himself out loud. He went over and he asked one of the most fiery girls in my class, one of the most powerful people in my class. Of course, he would go for the power, but you know, he had to take a little humility with it, because she could have, you know, cut him to ribbons in a way. She was very smart, very verbal, very quick.
1: And that was Tiffany, right? Tiffany, right.
2: Tiffany took him under her wing and said, you know, he's got to straighten up. you got to stop fooling people. you got to start acting right and doing clear, good deals. And she gave him a little protection just to go in and try some again under her auspices. He was granted a, a little bit of immunity to try again. <laughs> And he started to listen to what she said and do right, as they say. And he gradually worked himself back into a powerful figure in the game. He wasn't one of the leaders, but he definitely made some progress and got ahead again and sort of brought himself around. But he had to do it by being honest, which he wasn't really
1: known for before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that just gives you some, you know, examples uh the stories of the students because that's yeah some good stuff there. There almost almost every student that you talk about in here mm-hmm. I've had in my class. Yeah. See we all
2: have. They're they're almost like templates, aren't they? We've had
1: them yeah. all. That's what. They're not they're not exactly the same, but you oh. know, but the the styles, yeah. It's definitely because each one's individual but I know that kid and you know I've seen it.
2: Well, I'm glad you say that Zach, because I really hope the book resonates with teachers and I, and I'm hearing you say that other teachers say oh, to yeah. you that you know we know these kids these are the children we all have you
1: know. Yeah. Wonderful. So so we got the fail we got, we got right. failure mm-hmm. so we got overload confusion yeah. then they fail right. and then you have they have personal understanding. Yeah.
2: They start to individually say well you know this this way i've been trying isn't working and that in itself is an understanding when they really actually face their failure they have failure but then they face it embrace it claim it and then acknowledge that indeed it is their own you know they failed because they personally did fail but then that understanding blossoms into what am i going to do about it and they realize I've failed. i failed my efforts have failed this is overwhelming for me it's overwhelming for you what if we talked about it together and instantly collaboration is born? Yeah, You don't have to teach it. It sort of appears out of necessity the pressure of a deadline or the urgency of a situation, sink or swim kind of situation that a game often presents puts them in a, in a, a mode where they must collaborate to survive. And mm-hmm. then they find collaboration kind of works a bit and they start to actually go into a state I call hyper-collaboration. They start to reach across boundaries and partisan lines and start to go into areas and talk to people they don't normally talk to because they need to and they desperately need to. And that opens them up to the click, which is coming up next. That's the next stage where suddenly, and this is a beautiful moment for me, you'll see the whole room shift. And I know as teachers, I know you've seen Mm -hmm. everybody gets it or somebody gets it and it just spreads like a contagion. Yep. They all of a sudden come alive like they, their eyes get really big, they look at each other, their mouths drop open, and they go, Whoa, I understand. <laughs> and the whole room just catches fire.
1: And and, and how many times mm. how many times and, and I'm just speaking from experience in my own when I was a kid, Stop. I've seen that happen as a kid mm-hmm. and it was pounded out. It was stomped out. Because ah. it was because the teachers thought that you had to find this on your own. That's right. Solo.
2: That individualistic and, cultural idea that...
1: Yeah. I want. You're on your own. You need to figure this out on your own.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and nowadays, it's... Yeah, because like the stuff that we're doing now in my classroom, mm. you know, they're working in groups. Mm. But then, you know, sometimes you hear kids, they'll say something, it, they tell another group. And even if they're competing against one another, you know... In some type of competition, mm-hmm. they'll still – it's its like <laughs> – but it flows. It is. It's like a virus. It just spreads yeah. throughout the room. Yeah, and you're so right too. Would you say
2: teachers in the old days used to stomp that out?
1: Yeah. yeah. Do it on your own. That's right. No, let it spread. It's its, it's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm. We well, yeah, I mean there's a time for kids who can stand out to stand out, but there's a greater need for them to share and grow by helping each other. It's like having yep. co-teachers in the room you know mm-hmm. and rather than just one person saying yep. okay you got it right you you have the right answer you're the teacher for the moment but if everybody's part of that then you've got a massive force of of learning
1: and teaching possibility but it can build too mm-hmm. because that 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 click it grows and it goes to somebody else somebody else takes it and says hey that's good but what about this there you go that's right
2: elaboration building on the idea it really does take off like wildfire doesn't it
1: Yep, And so you you can't stomp that out. No, you don't want you it. can't you don't want to stomp it's that stupid. out because it it definitely builds. Mm-hmm. So you got the click and then that kind of gets with. Oh, I think we kind of touch on it there. The flow. Yeah. Flow
2: comes. And that, of course, is is the joy as a teacher. You know, when you can step back and you're not needed. You're, you're extraneous. You just yes, watch. That's right. You watch. And, you know, it's swirling around you. If they're elementary school, they're about at your, your waist or your chest level. They're swirling around you. Now, you're in sort of standing in a sea of, of shimmering, jewel like motion. And it's a beautiful thing to watch because they, having had the click, are now in action and enacting it. They're enacting their understanding physically and viscerally, emotionally, conceptually, verbally, however, you know, they can express it. And they're on fire to do it. And they're self directed learners, self motivated learners. Their agenda is the curriculum. The curriculum is their agenda. It sort of emerges. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing to watch where they become super teachers, each and every one of them, because they're carrying out the task of learning and teaching at the same time. And so that's the flow, and they—they're in mastery. They love being in mastery, in the state yep. of mastery. And do you, they often—go ahead. They often know it, which is what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. And and sometimes they'll look around mm-hmm. just yeah. to see, kind of, <laughs> hey, what's going on? And do you ever? I kind of. Um, you know, I can. There's, I'm ADHD, but there are things I can multitask and do. And one of it is, I try to hide. Mm. You know, I try well, to act like I'm doing something else, or I am doing something else. But my ears perk. That's right. And uh, you, you're hearing it. That's And and you know it's happening. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh and 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 you just let it go that's, because it's it's and then they'll come up to you and then they want to share <laughs> do they ever they want to sh- they want to share and it's so it's like i've heard it all but i know they want to share yeah so go ahead and give it to well, me Yeah. gotta share yeah yeah. Yep. Yep. And, the, and then you got to give them, you know, the pat on the back. Yeah. Because you want to make sure that they. That's right. Um, you know that they you acknowledge that, yeah. you know, hey, you're doing a great job.
2: And that's they, they need that. They're Still in tune to you, they're still in tune. They want to come to you with it, not just have it and share it with their friends. They right. To show you, which yeah. is a great honor and a what? Yeah. To come back and let it, you know. It's awesome. It is. It's awesome.
1: So then the last part.
2: Well, that's where it. Um, it goes into what we often call assessment, but I think in the the World Peace Game and in other kinds of broader approaches of problem-based learning or whatever, deeply conceptual learning, the assessment really is over time. You know, we take (laughs) snapshot tests and we think we got the entire kid summed up in a snapshot test, you know, maybe three part test, six hours, whatever, but it's really a snapshot. And my good friend, educational consultant, Jay McTighe says, no, we need a portfolio. We need a photo album, not just a snapshot. So the assessment really, I think in this thing is over eight, 10 weeks. We're self-assessing. Formative and then finally a summative the whole time we're rolling with assessment is self-evident feedback It comes back. Did your attack work? No. Why and why not? What are the consequences instant feedback and? Consequences and so it, it goes like that with a very self-evident flow we call mm-hmm. it. but then the nice thing is It goes beyond the game Um In in the uh, World Peace game that's in the film, World Peace and Other Fourth Grade Achievements, one little girl, Amelia, a very fiery prime minister who had water problems in her country, water rights issues and so forth, the next year in her class was reading about uh, a village in Zimbabwe where people were dying from not having clean drinking water. And she also discovered that it took about $100, U.S. dollars, to, to put a well in a village. So she organized spontaneously a charity with her friends who had played the World Peace Game and others and collected pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and they got together $100. And they sent all, got it facilitated, sent it over, and got a well put into a village and actually saved some lives. Wow. It was from that experience. So you, you know the application can yep. be in the classroom where you pass the test. You've applied your knowledge and got an A or B, but the application in, in a deeper way is – what kind of person you become in your life? You know, What kind of effect do you have upon the world in a larger sense? Not what you've done for just yourself, but what have you done for everybody else. Yeah. So that's the broader part for application and
1: understanding, I think. And, and Jerry, it, it seems like <laughs> it seems like we hear this over and over again, don't we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you, it's, it's it's you're in good company, John. You live it. Uh, yeah. James Paul G., uh, you know, he, one of his big things is that if you play a game – Huh. you know you play halo let's say uh-huh. and you, when you're done with the game halo are you going to take a test over the over halo <laughs> no you you finished the game you've completed it you mastered it yeah. if you don't if you don't finish the game then you didn't master it right, right. so why would you do that when you play the world peace game why you wouldn't take a test after you're done yeah. they you either did it or you didn't right
2: we discuss we do uh, you know all kinds of assessment questions and whatnot right the game itself is the evidence exactly.
1: Yep. When the game is done, the assessment's done. There
2: you go. Exactly. Thank you, Jerry.
1: <laughs> That's all. It's all there. It's all one piece. It is. Huh. It's all one piece. It's great to be among kindred spirits. I got There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, what I mean, what else do you have on your uh, agenda here? You got some uh, book tours? Yeah, the book is coming out. The book came
2: out April 2nd actually, 2013. <laughs> And uh, I understand we pretty much sold out the first run, and it looks like a second printing is in the offing within the awesome. uh, first two weeks, which is kind of surprising. I guess a lot of teachers had nothing to do late at night. To
1: oh, simmer down. So. Anyway, uh, <laughs> simmer down. One piece
2: of the fourth grade achievements was published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in uh, New York. A wonderful editor, Eamon Dolan, he's our, our line editor for this. Great guy, really helped shape the book and make it into what it really should be and could be the story. And then Taryn wrote, of course, you mentioned, is our yes. publicist who's really putting this together. And, you know, it, could, it couldn't have happened without uh, Jamie Baker. Jamie Baker is the executive director of the Martin Institute for Teaching Excellence in Memphis. And she discovered the film, saw the TED Talk, and said, you know, we got to make a partnership to make this thing go on. Because, you know, the, the filmmaker Chris Farina and I, we were. You know, sharing the film and the game, but we were we had no money and we were running out of energy, and so Jamie found us and proposed a partnership. So that that allowed the book to be born. Really, that's where the support came for the book. So we got 14 cities or so across the U.S. I understand the book's on submission in France. Uh, A fellow came from Dubai and took away a a carton of books to get them (laughs) translated into Arabic. I understand. So, uh, and we of course have friends in Norway and Austria who are clamoring now. And actually, I'm going back to Norway next year in 2014 and Austria in 2014 as well to play the World Peace Game there with teachers and students, I believe, or at least to share that. And the Europeans are very hot for this. So (laughs) we're going back again to Europe to to share the World Peace Game.
1: Cool. Well, you got to be careful of those Northern Europeans.
2: Oh, yeah. Is that where you come from,
1: Jerry? Uh, No, no. (laughs) Jerry? Zach, huh? No, no. We you need to go to Sweden though.
2: Oh yes, Nilo. Need to to Nilo. Nilo. <laughs> our... oh,
1: what's happening there? What's hap- oh, we
2: there. Just...
1: Nilo is uh, was one of our friends from uh, uh, oh. one of our listeners from Sweden, and he's pretty phenomenal. Okay. He does some wonderful work out there, okay. uh, over there, I should say. Any friends? Uh, yeah. So... I'll look him up. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Nilo, you should uh, you should purchase the book. Huh. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. awesome thank you thank you zach yeah and so you know i I, tell me if i I can talk but it seems like uh i think we talked before about maybe trying to get this game in a in a a format out there and i think you've been kind of working on that and trying to make some connections
2: well i i don't know how much i can say about the connections i've made or what right uh, people helped me to do that but uh there are some very good friends of mine who put me in contact with some very high-level gamers. <laughs> uh, are you laughing at it, Zach? I hear you laughing.
1: No, it's awesome. You must
2: know some of those people.
1: Buddy. No, no, yeah. no. Okay.
2: Well, anyway, those gracious, wonderful people. Uh, we're now we're now talking with a large gaming firm about the possibility of spreading the game with the, the enhancement of technology, not replacing it with technology. Exactly. What the authentic uh, intention was that I had. And, exactly. and these folks that we were introduced to really got it. They really understood that the essence of teaching is this one-to-one personal contact. It's not yep. it's not replaceable by some virtual thing. It could be simulated, but it can never be exactly emulated. Exactly. You know, with technology. So we're going
1: to... These must... Th- these must be smart people. They must
2: be. And the people who referred me were
1: very smart. Eh, I don't know about that. Ah. But uh, no, it's, I, I think keeping the essence of the game yeah. Is so important. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully down the road, we'll be able to talk about that a little bit more. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you yeah. you're in contact with some good people. And and, oh. and hopefully we'll hear some more news about that. Okay. I know down the road, I, I think, uh, you know, Jerry and I are heading up to GLS uh, oh, yeah. in June. Right. Games Learning Society Conference. Yeah, right. And uh, I know, hopefully, I don't know, if I don't think you're able to make it this year, but maybe in the future. I'm
2: planning on the future. Yeah, I couldn't quite.
1: It is. Jerry, oh, uh, tell man. me about, tell me, uh, on ranking of conferences, uh, you know, f- out of five stars.
2: Oh, uh, man. Okay. This? Out of a
0: traditional scale of five stars, one wow. being a subpar conference, five right. being an exceedingly excellent conference, it's about a fourteen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, yeah. I got to cancel it, what I'm doing and go in. Yeah,
0: there. yeah you do. Uh, it's the, the best got, food and drink you'll ever have at a conference. Yeah. Just it,
1: unbelievable. And, and there's pretty good people there. Yeah, oh, it turns oh, out there's
0: well, there's good stuff happening, too, besides oh, the food and
2: drink.
1: There's some amazing folks that uh, attend, uh, excluding Jerry and I. <laughs>
2: lots and, of game oh, including, you, including you. But no, yes. wonderful. I'm so glad you guys are promoting that and being able to go to that and carry the yeah. word and bring the word back, too.
1: Yeah, that's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I can't thank you enough, and oh, yeah. I'm hoping somewhere down the road we we cross paths. I actually, and, meet
2: face to face. Yeah,
1: meet face to face. Open, and, uh, never seen
2: each other. It's all right. There
1: you go. I think uh, I'm hoping sooner rather than later. Yeah, that'd be great, Zach. I really
2: appreciate it. you guys. You're great. Thanks so much for doing it for all of us, not just for me. For everything. Thank you. Thank you. For thank you. For
1: you. On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us. and also follow. All the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week. And a great
0: Star Wars day.
1: May the 4th be with you.